This episode of Spectre Cinema is brought to you by Mother's Best, the new home share rental service offering the warmest, most comfortable stay. Not only are the bed sheets clean, but there's a free continental milk breakfast included. Mother's Best, like your mama preparing your old room again. Hey, 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 welcome to the Spectre Cinema Club, a podcast obsessed with horror subgenre. I am your co-host, Mr. Garrett McDowell, sitting across from me, the host of our show, Mr. Devon Taylor. Hello, hello, and yeah, we are back for week two of uh, coverage of our best of 2022, you know, starting off the year looking back, and we love doing this, and uh, this one is going to be an interesting one. I am pumped to be talking about this one Oh, today. I know you are. We didn't give it as much love as we, as we should have in our best of the year list. Uh, I thought that uh, it was a, a shoe-in for sure, but some shenanigans happened if you ask me. Hey, you okay? You knew the four <laughs> movies that were going to be included, and you saw that that wasn't. So that means you were relying on me and Donato to put it in. And just, you knew I'm not like the biggest on this movie. So I, you were really putting your chips in so that way you could squeeze in an extra film i see you so you you, you did that to yourself i i guess it was a little uh, self-imposed there but yeah I, my, my picks were a little strategic where i should have i should have went with my heart devon but uh, it's okay we've got an entire episode to be talking about what was my favorite horror movie of last year this month we're going through each of our picks as well as a guest pick uh, last week uh, last week we did the menu uh, next week we'll be talking about your choice uh, but until then we had to talk about my choice which is Barbarian, directed by Zach Kreger. Very excited to be talking about this one. Yes, and uh, if you guys remember when this did, uh, around the time when this came out, Garrett got to it, talk to the director himself. The yeah. interview is in the feed, so go back and listen to that. If you guys haven't, uh, we will be uh, referencing some of the stuff that uh, you guys talked about in that for sure, as yeah. far as... Um, you know, the the writing and uh, construction of this film. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, this one, again, was, uh, I, I said it in the best of, the, the it's been my biggest question of the year of going like, you know, is this going to hold up on rewatch? And I know we're going to spend a lot more time uh, next month talking about twists and reveals, um, which I'm very excited for. Mm -hmm. um, so I know we're going to get into it a lot there. So this episode will kind of be a nice little primer for that, I think, uh, which will be fun. So... You ready to uh, go uh, deep into the basement? Ooh, I've never been more ready. I'm just yanking on this this rope leading to nowhere, so Don't I'm excited pull to it. Never pull the <laughs> rope, guys. Never pull the rope in the wall. <laughs> Barbarian, released September 9th, 2022, written and directed by Zach Kreger. Uh, you might know his name from The Whitest Kids You Know, as he was uh, uh, played various roles. He was also a writer and executive producer on that. Uh, he did co-direct a film like 10 years ago, but this is his uh, debut as a solo director, and he did write this. Cinematography done by Zach Cooperstein, score done by Anna Dubrich, uh, and this was edited by Joe Murphy. Uh, had a nice box office return. Uh, pulled in forty five point four million on a four and a half million dollar budget. Uh, pretty good. Mm -hmm. You know, I would say uh, the word of mouth definitely um, aided in that big time. I think. Uh, yeah. 
uh, would have been one of the big factors going into that. I recommended this movie to like everyone that I, you know, saw over the course of the next few weeks uh, following my my viewing of this. So I I, I feel like I'm at least uh, you know uh, responsible for a portion of the people. You know, we that talk about saw this movie. Yeah, you know, people talk about uh, water cooler shows, and this was kind of a water cooler movie. It oh was yeah, that one sure. that it was like, hey, have you seen Barbarian? Okay, okay, I won't talk about it yet. Go see it, and 100%. then we'll talk about it. So yeah. it kind of had that effect. Um, it has a uh, pretty good score on Rotten Tomatoes at 92% on 199 reviews. And the voice of the people over on Letterboxd have this at 3.7 out of 5. Uh, lots of subgenres to go into for this one. Uh, but Garrett, go ahead and uh, lead off why uh, this was your favorite movie of 2022. Um, this was my favorite movie for like a number of reasons. <clears throat> my, my best of lists never have been and never will be like, this is me putting on my thinking glasses and these are what I think are the best movies of this year and what I think are, you know, in some weird like objective way, like mathematically. This one had the technically best whatever, you know. I think for myself, this was one that I not only, of course, yes, loved, but one that I also had like a personal connection with. I was able to see this film at Beyond Fest uh, with uh, the cast and director as well as writers at Craiger there. Uh, and was able to see it with friends. Didn't really know much about it beyond the the poster for the movie. I hadn't seen any trailers or anything. So this truly was like a go-in blind sort of situation. Seeing it at Beyond Fest, and if you're not from Los Angeles, Beyond Fest is like an L.A.-based, you know, month-ish long uh, like horror genre film festival. Uh, and they'll have like a couple screenings a week. And this was uh, kind of one of the leadoff hitters for uh, this past year's festival. So being able to see this in a packed theater filled with genre fans and just watching this insane story just unfold, uh, you know, in front of your very eyes. And then beyond that, like you had mentioned, I had the opportunity to talk with Zach. Uh, I had what was my first like, you know, kind of big boy, like, you know, major released motion picture interview. I've interviewed other filmmakers and I'm very, you know, thankful and fortunate to have had those. But a lot of that was these smaller indie movies at like a South by Southwest or something. Some of them have received distribution, but this is by far the biggest kind of scope uh, of a film, uh, film and a filmmaker as well, uh, that I've had a chance to interview, which is something that I want to continue doing in the future. So being able to talk with Zach, having this experience at the theater really did contribute to this being, you know, not only one of my favorite like theater going experiences of the year, but also it's just a damn good horror movie for all the reasons that I'm sure we're going to talk about. <coughs> Yeah, we talked with uh, Donato a little bit, you know, about those um, special connections you make with films when you see them at a festival, you know, uh, when you're seeing something early, so it feels a little more special, and you kind of have uh, the least amount of expectations around them at that time, so mm -hmm. it's like, um, it's always fun whenever you, like, get one of those gems that, like, you know, really hits you hard, and then and then you get to kind of play that waiting game of being like, okay, when this gets released, like, yeah. you know, what's it, how's it gonna uh, play with other people? Um, and this one, again, like you said, it's like, um, I mean, I go into most movies, uh, trying to know the least amount of things. I hate watching trailers. Like I'll watch teasers, maybe yeah. the like little 15, 20 second stuff. Like sure. I don't, I don't need anything other than that, but I yeah. know that's not for everybody. I know people that love watching trailers, you know? So, um, but this is, you know, uh, one of the best examples of, you know, go in as blind as you can, mm -hmm. um, because that is, 
um, I think very integral to the experience of this movie. Yeah. And so for me, whenever I saw it, like again, didn't watch any trailers, but I saw the I saw the word of mouth starting to build up. I got to see it, you know, I think like just the LA early release at least. Yeah. So like a little bit uh before it really like caught the caught fire like it did. And um and you know, so going into it and I was like, okay, like this was very fun. It was a very fun I had no uh, idea what I was kind of getting into was kind of playing guessing games with it, you know, and um, but then it was, you know, it was a fun like in the moment, like I was having good time with it. It was a nice ride. It was unpredictable. Um, but then uh, the the more I thought about it kind of later on, I was just like, you know, as a movie itself, I thought it was solid. Like it's it looks really w- good. The, the score is phenomenal. Uh, there's some genuine scares in there and uh, a lot of really good laughs. Um, it's it's solid, but um, but then as as the year kind of went on and seeing a lot of people talk about you know this being their favorite of the year, but then also people uh, making bold claims of it being you know the best of the past five years, you know best of the past ten years, I'm like, I don't know if this movie's gonna you know have that same kind of regard in a couple of years, mm-hmm. you know at least for me, I'm not sure. Like yeah, um, and and you could and that's kind of um comes up with a lot of films, you know, even though we had such a strong year in 2022, I feel like there are a lot of movies that were like, geez, Louise, man. You just hear him salivating in the background. He's so excited to talk about Barbarian. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> yeah, he is. And, um, but yeah, so it was like, um, even though there are, were still a lot of very strong movies. Um, I think that also like how many of those movies are going to be like remembered, you know, down the line. Like, yeah, like you watched it that one time. It was really fun. But then like, you know, how many movies do you, you know, do you have in like your top 10 from, you know, 2017 that you haven't touched again? Sure. You know, yeah. like I I have a couple of those on my, you know, on my, some of my letterbox list. So, um, so these were all questions I kind of had afterwards about mm-hmm. just like, you know, like, yes, it, I think it was very solid. I'm glad people were very excited about this movie. Um, just because it was, you know, so fresh and unpredictable, like I'm glad people like super excited about it. But as far as uh, for me, it never uh, kind of crossed my mind into like, uh, like, wow, like this, like, you know, really like blew my mind. Yeah. So, Is that's kind of where I'm at. Was there like a particular reason or like detractors or did it just not? Was there just that wow factor missing? It's not that they did anything. You're like, I really dislike that or whatever with that. It was just kind of, it just didn't maybe hit you as much as it hit other people. Well, again, it's kind of a similar question that you ask yourself when you like, um, you know, a lot of people uh, will reference Sixth Sense as an example of like, even if you know the twist of that movie, mm-hmm. will you still watch it and still be very impressed by it? Yeah. And for me, yes. Like that movie, um, I think has, you know, such great storytelling and like, um, you know, very, um, it, it has a layered storytelling that, you know, I think um, a lot of M. Night's films will kind of um, make those turns, but then it still, it recontextualizes what you see, but I don't think it um, takes away when you know that information versus this, um, I was like, at least going in before rewatching, I was like, you know, um, just by the, the construction of it, that this movie is, you know, solely based on being, uh, surprising and unpredictable, you know, as you guys talked about in your interview, that mm-hmm. it's kind of what the purpose of, yeah. uh, the creation of this as a writing exercise was to, to, you know, just be as unpredictable as possible. Mm-hmm. But then, so then watching it the second time, knowing the information, um, I, admittedly was kind of bored like in the first like within the first 45 50 minutes and then even after 
uh, we get to the Justin Long stuff. Then I kind of found myself being like, okay, now we're kind of here a little too long with him. Can we just go back to the stuff that was kind of working? And I don't know. It, it just didn't, it didn't, um, it didn't have the same energy to it watching it. Like I still laughed at a lot of parts and like some sure. of the scares still work pretty well, but um, it just didn't have the same like energy and excitement like watching it. It was just kind of like, okay, like watching Keith and Tess at the beginning, it's like, man, this is just like watching a rom-com that we don't get to see the end of. And that's sad yeah. <laughs> because like that's all that, you know, first half really is. So it's like, yeah. uh, it, it just didn't have that same energy with uh, the, the knowledge. Interesting. Well, yeah, we'll definitely talk more about maybe what this film has to offer beyond just the the twist or the, certainly this kind of like roller coaster, especially like a communal experience too. too. So too. we'll definitely uh, dive on into that as we uh, dive more into our conversation. Yeah, you ready to uh, hit a 60-second synopsis in case uh, people need a refresher? Boy, am I ever. And, of course, guys, we spoil all movies. That's how we always do it. So, again, we'll give you the extra warning with this one. Go uh, go, go watch Barbarian. It's on HBO Max right now at the time of recording. And, uh, yeah, and then come back and listen. You ready? I'm ready to go. Let's do it. All right. I got you on the clock in three, two, one, go. Uh, the story begins with young Tess uh, arriving in Detroit late one night. It's a very rainy, dark night in Detroit. She's not familiar with the area, especially in this very dangerous part of town. It's late. She's knocking on the door of this Airbnb and opens it up. Keith, somebody also staring, uh, staying at this Airbnb. There's this confusion, this mix-up that's happening they decide, well, why don't we just stay the night here together? We'll chat a little bit, wake up in the morning, uh, and then we'll seconds. get this all sorted out. Um, as they continue about their day, continue about their lives, they discover that this basement exists under this Airbnb, and something is down there. Tess goes to investigate, finds this horror and this evil hidden under the basement, and then continues down, 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 further and further as this evil in this barbaric entity continues Five, to grip four, a hold of them three and boom. that's all i got and that's all you need to know yeah you know whenever uh when you really kind of put it out into uh what it's uh yeah the the, the gist of it mm -hmm. for sure and uh again there's a there's a lot of subgenres going on in this one um you know there is a lot of comedy i wouldn't say this is a horror comedy even though there are a lot of moments of laughter interesting Okay. Interesting. So we'll hold, we'll put a pin in that one for a sec. Uh, we obviously got some uh, some monster movie elements as well, mm -hmm. and uh, and a uh, single location thriller also. Um, but but uh, let's go ahead and uh, pick up on this uh, horror comedy angle. Would you call this a horror comedy? Yes, and I think it's it's very unique in the fact, and I also talked with Zach about this. I'm going to try my best not to just continue to plug that interview the entire time. Um, hopefully you guys have listened to it again, uh, but, so I'll try to stop uh, referencing that. However, um, I found that something with talking with Zach and then also just watching the film, I think it's pretty clear that like, this movie did something that I just don't really see often in horror movies. And if I do see it, it's like a jab or like a complaint that I would have against the film. And that it's like this movie sways between genres so wildly and without any sort of warning to where there's literally a shot where somebody's head just got caved in into a wall and then it's cutting to like you know uh justin long driving on the pch with this beautiful son and he's like singing along and having a great day you know like it seems to drive so much glee into taking these like 
abrupt right turns. Uh, there's multiple sequences in this movie where they do have these massive uh, changes in tone, and uh, and there's also this irony in the movie too, which I do think is a, is like contributes to the humor in it. Where particularly with Justin Long, where he goes to this Airbnb and he's just like looking around and also brings out his tape measure, which was a scene I know a lot of people really liked uh, with this film uh, and tweeted about often, but that sense of irony, which is, you know, a very kind of like classic, you know, comedy trope is that, Oh, we know there's this seven foot fucking incest monster naked lady downstairs. And here he is trying to, you know, measure this, you know, this basement so he can sell it for, for, for more money. So I think there is this real, not only, not only like tonal shift that happens, uh, that really contributes to the comedy, but overall just this kind of sense of, of irony along with it. And then also just kind of the glee of, the craziness in this movie, I think that that's also kind of a thing that it's like maybe, maybe not jokes and quips are being thrown around left and right, but there's just such an unhinged sense to this movie. And I really feel like uh, Zach and writing this just has so much fun, just kind of like, what what crazy shit can I do now? Yeah, I'm just going to put that in there because why not? Yeah, and, and, and that kind of ties me into uh, another one that I kind of wrote down and not a subgenre, but a term that's been kind of going around a lot when it uh, comes to you know films with uh, this kind of particular energy to them as like kind of being bonkers you know bonkers horror uh, yeah. we've seen that kind of thrown out with malignant or orphan first kill or you know things of that of that nature God yes <laughs> I mean am, am I wrong am I wrong <laughs> you're gonna I'm gonna try not to quote that interview and I'm gonna have you try not to quote <laughs> orphan first kill. That, that's that's gonna be the the movie of uh of this year is just how many times am I gonna reference it before we actually cover those movies because at some point it's gonna happen I, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to keep you to a quota it's like you get five throughout the year uh, and you just used one of them so you've got four left <laughs> but it is still in uh referring to like you know this movie does like you say kind of had this unhinged uh chaotic manner to it at some points of like some of the the ridiculous things you're seeing and I think that you know maybe ties into some of the moments where like yes there are some like very overtly comedic beats you know the especially uh like you said you know the uh just along with the tape measure on top of being funny yeah is also I think uh one of the um most clever things in the film uh whenever he like pretty much mirrors exactly you know uh how tess you know kind of discovered each room and like went down and like how terrified she was and like you know mm -hmm. uh, the way that she saw it versus the way that he saw it with like no fear excitement 100%. ignoring everything and yeah. i was like oh that's like super clever mm -hmm. and it, it did make me laugh for sure and like there's uh some other moments too especially between like tess and keith at the beginning with some rom-com feeling so i am saying calm and comedy a lot yeah i just wouldn't like if i'm if i'm gonna uh you know list off a movie make a list of you know horror comedies barbarian's not gonna be like one that comes to mind as far yeah. as like compared to something like you know tucker and dale versus evil yeah i think it's a spectrum for sure like mm -hmm. if we have this sliding scale of like all the way to one end is horror all the way to one end is comedy i don't think that this would even fall like right in the middle to where something like 
you know, Army of Darkness would be even more towards the comedic angle where it's more of a comedy, less horror, where I think is this is more overtly horror with, you know, shades of a comedy in it. But I could see how you don't it's not necessarily a total even package mm-hmm. here. I guess if I had to describe the way that I look at it on the <laughs> spectrum as like horror comedy for me has to be either at least half or more comedy. Interesting. If, it, if it's yeah. leaning more horror, then then I wouldn't consider it because there's so many horror movies that have comedic beats through them. Sure. You know, and like and we kind of talked about it uh, whenever we talked about Scream last yeah. year, you know, like I'm kind of I wouldn't describe Scream as a horror comedy, sure. though it does have a good amount of comedic beats to it. Sure. But it's not half the film, sure. at least to me. Yeah, I think for me I and we can continue talking about like some of the other sub subgenres. I think the final thing that just convinces me that this is a horror comedy is I think the film is very much in and of itself a satire. Like first and foremost, I think it is satirizing, you know, this type of behavior of men. And we're definitely going to be talking about this. That's one of the biggest, you know, thematic notes of the film, but you know, Tess uh, and Keith played by Bill Skarsgård has, they have this very same conversation to where it's, she's, you know, Tess is trying to tell him like, well, when I came to this situation, me being a, you know, a woman and being vulnerable in this situation, I was terrified to come in here. However, if the roles were reversed and you were coming in here, she doesn't think that he would necessarily have that same fear and that same trepidation about this whole situation. And I think you had talked about that with uh, AJ, portrayed by Justin Long, where he's like measuring this whole room and is just like, oh, great. He sees it as just uh, like a benefit to him to where Tess is terrified, you know, venturing further and further into this basement i think that there really is an attempt here to kind of satirize different you know uh societal kind of expectations uh of men of women how women view men and vice versa as well so i think that paired with uh some of the uh some of the irony in this film some of the tone shifts in the movie i think yeah it's it's not 50 50 here but i think that there's an overwhelming amount of comedy that i would say classifies this as one of maybe not like the predominant theme or predominant subgenre but i would still say that it's in the it's in the umbrella you know for me Oh yeah, I mean it's it's definitely got a branch in there, but like for me, like this is pretty like a straight straight spook 'em up for me, you know, yeah. because we also um uh got a haunted house angle in an interesting way, mm-hmm. um because um again we I mentioned the score is very good. That's something I didn't really pay attention to mm-hmm. uh, the first time around, or I guess didn't stick out to me as much. But yeah. the uh the score does such a good job of uh, driving some of these tonal shifts, you know. Mm-hmm. But um at the beginning. Um, the, 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 the very like opening shot where it's just, you know, coming up on the house and Tess pulling up and like has like this, uh, this, uh, very eerie score to it and, uh, shout out to, uh, the subtitles because in the subtitles it says tormented voices, Ooh, yeah. which, and then when you do yeah. listen to it more closely, it's like the screams of the, the past victims, 100%, uh, yeah. in the bottom of the basement. And I was like, Oh, I was like, that is fascinating. Mm-hmm. And they, they play that little, uh, that little sound motif later on too. Yeah. Um, so there's kind of like a haunted house angle too of, you know, the, um, you know, even though obviously uh, Frank is still alive and the mother is a living being too, mm-hmm. um, their their presence, you know, is you know become you know knowledge with you know who is left in this neighborhood, you know, yeah. which is not much, but like 
who is left you know knows what's going on you know whose house it is so kind of has that angle to it as well mm-hmm. which i thought was uh, kind of interesting to to kind of uh, think about on this past time around but um yeah i there's a movie that i'm going to bring up in my my movie math later on um but so i won't dive like too much into it but there is kind of this older horror trope especially with like horror films of yesteryear to where it's like this dark rainy stormy night and somebody you know whether it's because yeah, their yeah. car breaks down or whatever mm. they like venture to this house and they're like hi can you help me can i come in it's in dracula it's not the one i'm gonna use in my my notes so dracula or nosferatu whichever one you know story you want to pick from they both have that's how the story begins you know this person's in their carriage carriage breaks down or whatever gets stuck whatever and then you know they go to the front door and knock and they have to enter into this spooky cobweb ridden house you know where this it has that really nice juxtaposition of this pretty you know fancy i'd live there you know airbnb in this otherwise pretty like downtrodden broken window you know abandoned neighborhood that yes maybe used to look nice but now it's just kind of this weird diamond in the rough and i think that that juxtaposition is in and of itself like kind of unnerving Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And especially like the in the way that, you know, when it does open up, like we don't see anything like it's completely dark. And then like once we do see it in the daylight is like, oh, like that makes it like a little extra creepy. But yeah, but, yeah I love the, the idea of like, yeah, this is the equivalent of uh, when it's raining and you drive up the hill to the, the gothic castle. For you sure. Know? Yeah, um, totally feel that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I like that angle, too. Yeah. And um and you already kind of talked about AJ a little bit, so we'll get into the to the characters here. But uh, you have Tess pulling up uh to this uh, Airbnb situation, and um I think she is a fantastic final girl yeah. um, addition this year. Um, in in the way that um you know she she's smart for one. You know she which is something I'm surprised that you say that. I agree, but that was something not to interrupt. That was something I saw so many people have a problem with this movie like you were with speak no evil people were like it's getting to a point where i can't root for you anymore because you keep putting yourself in dangerous situations again i talked about it with zach so we'll, we'll you know again hesitate not to continue to reference that interview but i will i would definitely go to bat for Tess as a final girl oh yeah i i saw some debates with uh with some people um and yeah because the thing is the like yeah she she's making you know these decisions and like you know how far um do you go because she she escapes you know mm-hmm. she she has the opportunity to escape yeah um but the thing that they're exploring also with Tess like you know even beyond like you know uh the differences between like how a woman approaches a dangerous situation versus a man mm-hmm. but it's also like her and AJ are such inverses in that you know he is a total fucking scumbag yeah and she is just a very good person yeah that's why like she she the the whole first act of the movie she makes all the acknowledgement she covers her bases you know she makes smart decisions to be like okay photographs his id yeah Yeah. let me do everything i can like to still be vigilant Mm -hmm. and then like yes she knows the dangers but but she's also like she's just a very good fucking person and yeah. she wants to help Keith like that's and then yeah. and then she wants to help AJ whenever he gets stuck in there so it's like um it, it's not that she doesn't 
like acknowledge all these things, 100%, you know, so yeah. I, you can't call her dumb. Yeah. But it's not like, like she's ignoring it. Yeah, if she was walking in and was just like, la di da, it's fine. You know, like I would see how people would be frustrated, but she's established er- early on in the film to be like a good natured, kind hearted person. And also like she doesn't have the benefit of knowing she's in a horror movie. You know, she's in this situation and this person that she got along with fine last night being Keith, you know, she goes down there because that's like a friend. That's a person that needs her help. And she also doesn't know AJ's like a total fucking piece of shit before, you know, she meets him. So again, it's just somebody else, another stranger who needs her help. And what is she supposed to do? Just like leave them there to die. She knows exactly what position AJ is in. So Mm -hmm. when she goes after to help him, she, yeah, she's trying to take this person out of the pit of hell that she was just in. Uh, and yeah, she does. She goes about it like an intelligent way. She goes to the cops, tries to help them. They're no fucking help at all. So she kind of takes it, you know, under her, her you know, own sort of gumption to go out and, and help AJ. I think she does so many things in this movie. The, the mirror trick that she does early on. So many things to try her best to navigate this hmm. horrifying situation as best as she can. But at the end of the day, she's a good person and I think leads with her heart more than survival logical instinct. I think it's more about what she believes to be the correct choice, not maybe always the logical one. I don't think we watch movies, let alone horror movies, to just watch people make logical decisions all the time. I think mm-hmm. that that, you know, that just becomes math. It becomes boring, you know. I think there's so much emotion in in you know, movies as, as well as horror movies especially. You have to watch people like make decisions with with their heart, not just their brain. I mean, it, you you got to accept that, like, yeah, like you said, like, this is a horror movie, and if you're going to make all the logical decisions, then, like, then the movie just wouldn't happen. For if sure. she made the logical decision, she leaves, end of movie. What, 45-minute mark, 50-minute mark, and she's out? Not even that. She wouldn't stay at the Airbnb. She'd be like, well... well <laughs> or even that. Like, I'm going to go to the next fucking town and get well, a hotel, I suppose. Well, you I know? don't think that... I mean, I think that... I think the, the her staying in the Airbnb part is... Uh, I've seen debate on that one, but I've seen more people be understandable about that one. I'm talking about just like when she literally has her fucking car, it works still after two weeks somehow, yeah. and she doesn't go. Like, that's when I see people being like... What what is her problem? But then, um, like you said, but like so, it's like you can have characters make you know bad decisions. I think the the problem that people have within in other films is these people make those bad decisions without reason behind yeah. it. You know, so it's like with her, you know, she knows all the things, but like you said, she is making these decisions because she's thinking with her heart this time, not yeah. just her brain. But then at the end of the day, too, her empathy is what you know. Uh, helps her live 100%. at the end of the movie. This, the, her empathy is yeah. what saves her. The empathy that she yeah. ends up having for the mother creature um, is, you know, what, what saves her. Is a very important thing too, because if she went throughout this entire movie and you know made all of these consciously quote unquote like right choices and then was punished for those decisions, I could understand a frustration that some horror fans would have. But she's rewarded specifically like as you said because mm-hmm. of that and the person who makes all of those quote-unquote right decisions and pushes tests off the water tower to save themselves and to do all of these things he fucking gets his head ripped in half you know and who's the only one left standing ripped to keith he he also tries his best too <laughs> but tess is the one who who survives because she has like good natured yeah she 
shoots the mother in the face, but you know, it's not because of malice. It's because of survival. And I, yeah, I think, yeah, there's a real reward that she's given for making these right decisions specifically because of those right decisions. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm definitely in Tessa's corner as far as uh, her, her, Team position, Tess. Yeah, Team Tess, as far as her position as a final girl. Also, just a really great performance. Like, yeah. uh, she she has great chemistry with Bill Skarsgård mm-hmm. um, in, in that very first act. And, like, uh, and kind of believe the way that, you know, two uh, rational humans would navigate that kind of situation. Because then, like, when at the end, now, without the expectations, you see that first half and then you go, oh, you know, it's not that creepy it's just yeah. but we are still trained to be vigilant like that you know in a, yeah. in a situation like that but yeah i also want to talk about keith uh our poor baby boy <laughs> keith who i think another another good boy I, of the year candidate exactly i was gonna say the same thing but bill skarsgård uh i think it's such great casting because mm-hmm. I, we've seen bill skarsgård be this charismatic charming sweet guy it's not just Pennywise. He's very talented uh, in villains, especially. I, it's a, a big favorite of mine, of of his. But I think there is this will he, won't he sort of mystery that, yes, it's not a part of necessarily the second viewing of the film, but certainly is part of the first one that you, this strange man, which I think we're supposed to feel how Tess feels and then I guess also feel how a lot of women feel in these dangerous situations. You know, how many how many times do you get in your car and just instinctively check the back seat? Whereas women, that's just very common walking to mm-hmm. your car with your keys between your knuckles, just this general sense of fear. You know, I've never carried pepper spray on me in my life, but that's just common practice for most women. But Bill Skarsgård having this sort of malice menace between behind his eyes, knowing what he's you know capable of kind of bringing to a performance with something like Pennywise. And then also kind of this charming, handsome heartthrob, which he also simultaneously is too. So when Tess meets him, there really is this like, is this guy going to fucking kill me? Or is he, you know, this kind of, kind of charming, sweet guy, um, which I think is very much. So what's also going on with the character of Frank, who's like the, you know, the the titular barbarian. There's a scene uh, later on in the film to where he poses as a mechanic and, you know, uh, invites himself kind of into this house to, quote unquote, look at a repair, you know, and make sure everything's okay. It kind of goes the opposite way for him. So I think that there really is like this flip of a coin with this character. And I think especially on the first viewing, it's so tense, like watching this and just being so fearful because you know you're watching a horror movie, so shit could really go down at any minute. And I think it's really tense and really suspenseful. Oh, it's it's completely different between the two of them. And again, like it does kind of take away some of my uh my uh the 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 tension that's kind of building in me to like get to the to the you know second portion and, yeah and the kind of stuff later. And uh, but it is genius casting because yeah he just he has that face and the yeah. poor Bill because I'm sure he's a sweet guy yeah um in real life uh, you know he's a nomad he he does even like oh, really? have a real residence he just like travels around and stuff that's what uh, I would do if I had if I had Pennywise money that's what I'd be doing oh, I wouldn't be on this goddamn podcast living in Los Angeles and, I'll tell you that a, much <laughs> and he's a pretty like imposing guy too like I, he's, he's got he's got to be at least like my height if not taller yeah he's like, a big boy so like. It, 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 but then you watch it the second time 
literally the second like because like the first time you're watching it is like oh yeah this guy's kind of being a little sketchy like oh mm -hmm. he's a little uneasy and then the second time you're like oh this is adorable he's yeah. just like nervous and he's trying really hard to, especially like, the scene where he's like sleeping and she wakes him up and he's like what the fuck what and she's like oh you were talking in your sleep and he's like okay <laughs> <laughs> oh man like um uh i mean talking about some of the um more comedic beats uh the the, the wine scene is absolutely hilarious the yeah. way that he delivers just that totally whole totally over explains <laughs> it and she's just like i'm good yeah because again like he's when you watch it the second time you're like oh yeah like he he's seeing he's trying to see the way that thing the way that tess is seeing things yes uh and you know trying to relate to that and just like it, it, but like it has that moment of just like ah like it, it, in real life if somebody did that you'd be like oh like I wouldn't wasn't thinking about it till you pointed it out mm -hmm. but because like we're in the movie so it's like I like that this I feel like the movie kind of does straddle a line of like um of of acknowledging like yes this is a movie but then trying to take into account you know what you know people would do in real life and kind of the way that. Uh, people handle these situations it's like it's almost like he's like uh, was watching this with like cinema sins in mind you know <laughs> to be like okay what would they pick at okay let me go ahead and acknowledge this or like let me go ahead and acknowledge that so yeah uh, I, I think the movie does a really good job at that i was trying to look it up and i couldn't find it just on a, on a quick google what was the band that he is in what was that called he's like i'm a founding member of whatever the fuck um, it was called well yeah um he's a founding member of a uh, art collective is what it was um because uh, that wasn't what, a band no it was because oh. that's what tess was there she was there to uh interview uh people in these art collective that's scenes. what it was yeah the the other documentary was about jazz and yeah this one was was what was the group called though i, I forget what it was it's like it was flaming something or how is, uh, is flaming something no idea too much of a deep cut tweet at us let us know <laughs> yeah but um and which in and, and they kind of go into like some of this um you know they, they there's elements that they kind of um tiptoe around a lot about uh gentrification themes that you know again like i don't think zach when he's writing this like again like this was kind of more of an exercise he probably wasn't thinking is had to like kind of explore um you know those kind of themes so they're not very yeah. prevalent but they're there as far as like because the first instance is like talking about like this thing and like yeah. keith basically explaining like yeah the way we use these art or do these art collectives is we buy these super cheap houses in these like mm -hmm. terrible neighborhoods and we just like kind of scoop them up and like do that um which yeah. is like so it, like so they're like mentioned there and then of course then um when we get frank's flashback in in a reagan era and then he you know decides that he doesn't want to leave which um you know leads to you know most likely the creation of the mother because he just decides never to leave the basement and yeah keeps breeding and then you know thus creating this monster so yeah. it's like I, I think that Zach covers it about as thoroughly as a white guy should. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like I don't think he leaves like a bunch of potential, you know, scraps on the table. I think it's just like, yeah, like, yeah, sure. Maybe his input is well founded and valid and insightful. But also, I don't know if he's necessarily the person to be offering like tons of commentary about that particular idea or, so yeah or he's not responsible to it if just like that's not what he was wanting For to sure. explore in the yeah. movie but it is just interesting that like it's at least uh you know there and acknowledged and like kind of 
you know, uh, it's one of the things that's like, hey, if you want to look into this more, yeah, uh, you know, go ahead and like kind of do some more, you know, background behind it, and then like kind of yeah. connect the dots a little bit. But but like we have mentioned, I I think that this movie does have lots of other you know social political commentary, particularly not only that theme of like the fear that women just have by just existing, but I think also like the degrees in which men can be monsters, you know, like you have a character like AJ one who doesn't believe himself to be a monster, believes himself to maybe be at one point a good guy, you know, um, there's that scene with AJ at the bar with his friend also portrayed by Zach Kreger, uh, who he's talking to and he's like, no, tell me what really happened, bro. You, you're my guy. Like you need to just play it to me straight. And he, you know, AJ kind of waters down what happened and, you know, just is like, well, yeah, she took some convincing, but I didn't, you know, like, like attack her or anything. So he's completely unable to see how his actions were wrong. And then you have somebody like Frank who is doing all sorts of heinous, terrible shit, like immoral, evil shit. And I think that it's fascinating this mo- the way this movie is able to explore that by going deeper and deeper into like the depths of this Airbnb, going deeper and deeper into like the pits of morality, you know, that AJ at kind of the, the top of it, you know, being, yes, a terrible person, but once you kind of... um like when you meet like a character like AJ, obviously, yes, still a terrible person, but I think it's so fascinating the way this movie is able to continue to explore that the deeper and deeper you go into this house. And then you have our good boy, you know, Keith kind of at the top being like you had said, like over explaining stuff, trying to be as courteous and as accommodating um, as, as he possibly can be. So I, I love that even of itself, there is kind of this spectrum of evilness of douchiness in the movie, if you if you will. Oh, yeah. And like, definitely, like, they're all meant to, like, kind of represent, like, each of these little corners. And, and I'll say, as far as, like, the social um, commentary throughout, like, I, I, I do enjoy what they do with uh, Tess as a character, like you said, um, uh, with the, 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 you know, just perspective that a woman has of the world and yeah. their environment and surroundings versus a man. Um, I think all that is done fairly well. Um, but then, as far as, like, it, again, it, maybe on this uh, second rewatch, um, kind of knowing a little bit more and but then even that club scene like even though it is like watered down even still all the like language he's using is like pretty much like indicative like no this guy's a piece of shit so then like when you get to those scenes where he's like kind of questioning it and he's like trying to um and and presenting him as like maybe like him uh, not being as aware of like his actions but it's like no no he's he was pretty aware of his actions so it's like He, he's still like also kind of just a, a a scumbag and and so when it they do kind of have more of these scenes where it's like kind of you know showing how his life's crumbling because of it like I mean yeah it's nice watching him squirm and suffer but at the same time like I don't know if like any of that you know watching that is like empathizing me with him to like to where I'm really kind of having that struggle of um is he gonna do something worthwhile of redeeming himself but then even if he did, like, even if he, like, you know, still gets to the end of this movie and he, you know, survives it, he's still a scumbag rapist, you know? So, I'm 100%. like, I, so, like, I don't really care what's happening to him either way. Yeah, you know? well, there's also that scene where that nearby sort of, like, squatter saves them, takes them to his little holdout, 
And Justin Long is talking about like, or AJ is talking about how he's like, I don't know, maybe I am a bad guy, but I'm going to try to do the right thing. I'm going to try to fix it. What is his like very next action? It's like fucking pushing Tess off of this water tower, like trying to sacrifice her to save himself. And then when he finds out that she's still alive after, let's not forget, shooting her, you know, he goes to her and he's like, oh, you slipped. I I couldn't have even grabbed you like I tried, but you understand, right? As she's sitting there like fucking like dying and he's like no i'm he literally says now i'm rescuing you like he just tries to equivocate mm-hmm. for himself and tries to see in any action that he does that like what he did wasn't the wrong thing yeah because it is and when he's like having that debate too like at the at the campfire he's trying to uh equate the two situations together of him yeah. accidentally shooting Tess, but totally. then him yeah purposefully raping somebody so it's like that's where you also still so then you're not surprised on like what he does next because like when he's trying to con- you know compare those two it's like no 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 you're still missing the point here yeah. because like what you did to test was an accident like that was you know but like versus you knew exactly what you're doing when you're raping somebody you know yeah. so it's like um it, so when he when he does do that like it, the the movie has a lot of you know again like the they work better the first time around of like getting you to be like oh are we gonna get you and then it's like nope we got you we're gonna go the other way mm-hmm. versus again like kind of when you're rewatching and you just kind of know uh this character and like kind of you're just like oh no like it's pretty logical exactly what's gonna happen so it's like that's yeah. where another aspect of predict or unpredictability is like kind of lost for me for sure i i think that you know the the movie in just in regards to like sort of its unpredictability the first time there's also kind of the benefit of just this general sense of mystery which is like another subgenre in the film of just like what oh is, yeah what is going on like who is this fucking person like you think that this movie is about this woman meeting the stranger in this airbnb surprise there's a fucking monster in this you know under the stairs like and then cutting from that wondering who's this fucking guy driving this car how does he play into everything sort of circling back and then once again making this other right hand turn of cutting to richard blake and then being like well what's this guy's fucking story Mm -hmm. you know so i do think that there is this mystery angle that on a second viewing maybe isn't as engaging however i would say that that's you know I I would say with a lot of films, I I think that that could be a potential issue. You know, you could watch Zodiac or something like that, for example, know that they never find the killer, but also understanding that there is maybe more to the film than just that. And I would argue, maybe not for yourself, for me, though, I think that Barbarian does have enough meat on the bones that isn't just rendering this film shock and awe and that's it you know that stuff is still there but is able to still offer these other you know thoughtful conversation pieces beyond just being another one of those kind of movies that i would love to just show this with people and like watch this with them beyond maybe me having been on this ride before watching it with other people is almost like a new ride and you can just kind of be like you know look at the side of your eye because you know what's about to fucking happen and see their reaction you know i think that that's a big part of this the communal experience not to say that when you don't have it the movie's not worthwhile or not worth watching i still really enjoyed watching it again uh, a second time but i think that that's almost kind of a you know you're in on the joke so to speak yeah for sure and i'll say like the at least for uh, the structure angle um, it still works for me on a rewatch. If anything, that actually kind of helps the mm-hmm. the foreknowledge of things because then it's like, okay, well, if I already know like kind of what's coming next, 
Um, I'm not spending this time like the first time around when you were sitting there going, wait, is this still connected? Like, yeah. What's going on? What's yeah. going on? So then like when it was like, okay, we cut to the, uh, to AJ. And so it, it allowed me to like, I look for like more background stuff. Sure. And I did that and I paid attention more of that, uh, during, um, the Frank flashback, mm-hmm. which, uh, which honestly I could have taken like a little bit more of like, it, not that we obviously like needed to see what his crimes were. We know what his crimes were, but yeah, but there was, um, I don't know, something, I think there was, um, a little bit more there to like kind of add into the, into the lore of the mother, you know, in a way rather than we kind of obviously know what happened. And then we get the backstory from the, uh, the junkyard man. And, um, yeah, but, but so, so the structurally it still worked for me on the, on the rewatch. Um, but then, yeah, like the, the communal experience, it definitely does uh, not hit as hard watching it by yourself in the afternoon. Sure. Um, I, I will admit to that. And, um, and because I love doing that with friends being like, uh, you know, let me show you something, um, you know, highest, uh, reel on Instagram, me showing my friends orphan first kill. Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay. You got three. Hey, you, you've got three you, now. You've had your interview references. I still, <laughs> I still got mine here. You've got three left. <laughs> you, you, you burned them all in the, this first episode of the year. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like, cause I love doing that kind of stuff, but like, it, but if I'm going to do that with like my friends, I still want to have that, like, I still need to have that like excitable energy myself sure. too. Like, or, you know, or, you know, when, um, it'd be different as like whenever I like show somebody like malignant again, because like, obviously you're like kind of watching them like piece it together, but then like malignant, you just also like have all these like quotable lines that you like kind of cheer with it. And like that, yeah. that's like, you know, add so like, as far as like this one, like it's, uh, the communal experience was like super nice the first time. Like I had a pretty, I had a pretty good full theater. People were reacting, people were laughing um like and it, it was a real good time so like yeah. it, 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 it i'm glad i still have it for that and um i'm not saying like that other movies like don't do it it's just this one in particular just like doesn't have that um uh, hold that same rewatch energy for me yeah for sure like i definitely understand how um that could be an issue but yeah for myself especially on this other rewatch it was like no sense of deteriorating or diminishing returns. I was like, oh no, this movie's still a lot of fun. In fact, my rating my rating actually went up a little bit. And I think there's also like enough fun nods and, you know, tips of the hat. One of my favorites is the fact that when AJ is looking through Tess's suitcase, he finds a copy of Jane Eyre, uh, which if you didn't read in your fucking freshman high school literature class, you know, uh, has similar, I guess I'm not going to spoil this book. That's like, you know, 150 years old, but um, a book that has other sort of like similarly themed, you know, or similar plot points or something like that. There is there maybe a hidden person in this, you know, this home somewhere. So I think that, yeah, there's enough stuff to like along the way, keep me uh, still entertained, keep me enjoying. Not that I'm going to like go back, you know, after the recording this and watch it again and again and again, but uh, it's definitely past the bar where I'm like, oh, I want to own this. Like I want to show this with people have that sort of fun. Like, oh, you haven't seen Barbarian. Like we're fucking watching it right now. Oh yeah, again, it's a it's a great like new age water cooler movie um to to 
like because it's it has so much to like kind of talk about and like even and it has like the varying opinions of like you know like did you love it or like did it like or like when there's people that were like yeah it was kind of you know that got to it a little bit later when the hype was like kind of building up real big you know Mm -hmm. and uh seeing how it affects those people so it's like i love it as a conversation piece alone for sure yeah um and then um we definitely got to talk about um some of the we did get some iconic imagery though from this movie with uh the mother um, yeah a, a nice a nice monster, mainly practical, like, you know, got a nice, disgusting rubber suit going. We got we got veiny titties flopping around the, everywhere. The floppiest like, you've ever seen. Oh, man. Like, it just like uh, instantly iconic. Like, I remember like the very first shot that we see of like her like kind of running up and then bashing uh Keith's head into the wall is just like oh my god so like, fucking wild she like she is terrifying my mouth like couldn't have been more agape watching this for the first time just being like oh fuck you know because it it I, I if you've seen the movie you probably had a similar sort of experience but just watching this with a room full of people who also had no idea what the fuck was going on you know it was just such a pleasure and also i want to mention not necessarily like the quality of the movie but like the marketing of this movie even watching trailers after the film which i i kind of went back and i was like how did how did they market this what were the trailers like they don't really mention anything about you know this they're just like something's in this fucking house you have to go watch it to find out so oh yeah one of my favorite horror trailers the past couple years yeah there's like there's nothing about the mother there's nothing about Frank and it, it like mainly focuses on like the first 40 minutes, like mm-hmm. the Airbnb stuff. And it's like, you know, an example of like, yeah, show these events and then, you know, put creepier music behind it and yeah. like, you know, plays off differently. So, yeah, um, they, they had some fun with that, but then, uh, yeah. Uh, it, and then there, I, I noticed even more details about the mother, like on the second time around, like I, they, the, the, the makeup, uh, the prosthetics on the face, they like, looked like they like kind of use like a similar prosthetic but then like maybe like stretch it out from the ones that they had on like old version of frank because oh, then like when you like look at him like his face like he looks like how the mother looks but she's like just like kind of like elongated in like all these like different ways yeah um which is like a a, a very interesting thing and then um and her her layer is you know very weird it's like there's just this pink light and all these like blankets just with this one repeating yeah uh um you know uh baby video playing and it's just like uh all all of that is just like you know adds into like you know just like instantly like putting all these things into this you know character and like you know there's kind of so much behind her yeah i think that there's so much with frank and uh with the mother especially i i can't I think it was like in Germany, there's like this true crime story of like this father, you like kind of imprisoned his daughter. Yeah. So it was like in the 2000s, Joseph Fritzl, if you're a, a crime, true crime person, you probably know what this is, but it was like this woman who her father like imprisoned is in, in Austria, not in Germany, Oh yeah, held yeah. her captive for 24 mm-hmm. years. And I think that this movie does kind of, you play around for a lack of better words with that sort of energy of being imprisoned by your father because like the mother being this as uh, the the squatter kind of puts it like this copy of a copy of a copy of a copy like you wanted to see some more uh frank stuff i kind of like the ambiguity especially when you see the tapes that aj discovers and the labels he's like one's like puker one's like all these just like you don't see the tapes you hear one of them very briefly because aj plays it but like there's so much like 
what the fuck did this guy do for 50, 60 or whatever years to these people to create this thing? Um, it's, it's it, the lesser known for me is like oh, way more I terrifying. I definitely did not want to see what was on those tapes. No, I don't I, not, not, that not, not that I want to, no, that's not I, what I was saying. I meant like <laughs> just seeing more of the Frank stuff would have added into like the whole housing element sure. of it. That's what I was Yeah, I wasn't, definitely insin- not I more wasn't of that. insinuating that Devon was like, you know what make this movie fucking better? <laughs> that puker tape. I really want to see what's I, on I did there. write down a few of those because. Well, um, do you have any favorites on there? Uh, because <laughs> some of them are just names. Like some of them do actually have names. On, but then some of them were just descriptors. So yeah, there is a puker. There's blind. There's a bad nose bleeder. Um, we have won't stop crying. But then my favorite, smiley dash old. Ugh, God, yeah, it's just like it's <laughs> especially that one. It's like, what does that even fucking mean, <laughs> man? I don't know. It's so gross. But like, yeah, the mother. You really have this character who I think very intentionally becomes this. You feel sorry for it, you know. You you feel like this is just kind of a product of a, of its environment. Doesn't really know much better, and really only knows how to survive and protect. Like you know, protect what she views to be her children. The imagery of like the milk bottle thing was like a big part of like horror iconography last year. How they even like marketed this movie I to like sit out. They sent it out like sent out boxes to critics and stuff with like a bottle in there with like a little hair attached around it. So fucking gross, man. Like it's so, so gross. Um, but yeah, I, I think the mother is a character who is like instantly, instantly just so upsetting and so visceral and like the sound of the creature and everything it really is just like this horrible like but also deeply sympathetic fucking gross nightmare it's just it's there's so much that like this movie kind of is wrapped Mm -hmm. up into this one creature oh yeah it like it hits it like perfectly on like both sides of that of like it is like understandably upsetting and scary just by its appearance it's uh you know violence and like ferocity and stuff like yeah it's scary and imposing um but at the same time like yeah once you have all the implications of like you know when you think about like you know that she's at least 40 something years old and like just uh so then and you start doing the math of just like all the you know layers that frank could have had it's terrible i don't even even want to think about it it's It's terrible (laughs) it's terrible but and and so it's like yeah you have that sympatheticness and then you know and, and it also shows you know tess like instantly cues in you know and you see how tess has been surviving that she's yeah. like no all she wants is you know to to you know for you to be her baby and and it also like you know again like things that we never saw is you know the mother existed when there were victims there so it's like even though frank you know frank is obviously the monster there um, but then it, when you have this monster that was also, you got to think that that's what somebody, she was. Somebody birthed it, you know? Well, somebody birthed it, but then later on, she was probably doing the, this for these victims, you know, like trying their best to like comfort them in these, sure. like, you know, in this hell hole of a, you know, dungeon. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like you, like many layers of empathy for, for the mother. And especially like, you know, when Tess hits her with the car and then like looks in her eyes and like, even though she is so, you know, grotesque and disgusting, like this is where you get a clear look that it's like, no, there. This is still a human, though. Mm-hmm. Like especially like when you look at her eyes, it's like this is still a human being. Yeah. Um, and it's like very just sad. Like the mother is like very iconic in that way. Uh, Frank, absolutely despicable. If you're gonna 
have a despicable person, you get Richard Brake. Yeah. Dyke. He he's so great in this and he's a, so good. Apparently uh there was a, a post that he I believe put on uh, Instagram or something like that to where he I don't know if you saw this. He went to like a screening, like a public screening of this, not like a press screening or anything, just like bought a ticket and went and saw the movie. And there were like a group of teenagers who were seeing this film and saw him after the end of the movie and like ran out of the theater in terror because they just saw this fucking guy on the screen, you know, labeling these tapes as fucking puker, and you know, I mean, you uh, smiling, talk- whatever you said. So, yeah, the, apparently these teenagers were just immediately <laughs> petrified. I mean, you want to talk about having a, a just evil looking face. Like, again, like poor Richard Brake, I'm sure he's a nice guy, but like he just looks like just creepy and evil and is absolutely yeah. perfectly cast in this. Yeah. Um, so, um, I think a lot of people, um, at least for, for me, and I did kind of see a little more people be in agreement with me on this, on, uh, the third act, uh, being definitely not as strong as it could have been, um, it, in my opinion, cause like one that like the, the one decision that I will, uh, you know, question them for is at, they, they get out of the house and he has a car and then rather than just run, you know, try to get back into the house to go get the keys so that way you can like literally just go mm-hmm. you're gonna you know go to the junkyard and wait it out until daytime because you're just gonna assume that she's not gonna come in there you know yeah. so it's like that's where it's like okay like you, you kind of lost me there and then it's like but we need a we need some sort of finale and then i don't know finale on top of the water tower and just Eh. doesn't do it for you no yeah no. i think I, I think it's the fact that this movie is like beginning 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 middle 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 yeah. end like it just kind oh, of yeah. wraps up like super super quickly that the climax and the resolution of this film are nearly like moments from each other you know so i i, I definitely understand that i think for myself it does it it does end maybe not as well as it begins but i think it wraps up everything as neatly as i guess it can um the, the characters, yes, maybe don't make all of the right decisions, but then I would also argue it's like you want to go back into that house again, you know, to get car keys. So, yeah, I think it's you kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't sort of ending. I did want to ask because I think uh, the, the character of Andre, who is kind of this squatter that helps rescue them, um, is like notably like the only black guy in this movie and dies one of the most visceral deaths in the entire film. Uh, I wanted to get your, your thoughts on, on Andre and his, his very unfortunate demise. Dude gets beaten with his own severed arm. It's really shocking. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, uh, there's partially one. I did make a note about Andre because you only notice this like kind of on the rewatches, like the first time when he tries to warn Tess, you know, yeah, not to go in the house. But so it's daytime, and if but if he if he is so confident in his theory that she hasn't come out in daytime, why would you run up to her just screaming and yeah. like being crazy? Like if you knew all these things, then you would have been like, hey, no, like you know, been quiet and calmly. Sure, yeah. removed her there. So one note for Andre. Um, and then two, um, yeah, he is, I mean, well, he is one of the few black characters other than our lead though. So, I mean, That's true. Um, we do yeah. have, you know, our, our heroine. And so, I mean, I didn't really look into that. I mean, that character could have been any race and fair point. It, it would have still ended the same way for that character. Mm-hmm. So, so I didn't really I look too much into it in that angle. Um, I mean, it, it, it sucks cause he is a, you know, just a good guy trying to, trying this to look out, but yeah. just like. You know, and he's, um, and I think 
he's there more for the the commenting of like you know oh like she she you know panicked and didn't like at least like hear him out because like again like he like kind of he you his, know look, his approach is he a looks much. Like, yeah. he, he, his approach is much and he looks you know unkept so um and there's kind of a little bit of commentary there of like oh well if like if it was like a you know person in a you know you know suit and tie running up that way like maybe she would have even like given a split second more of thought sure. rather than but at the same time he just came in way too hot Came in way too hot. He's yelling, hey, hey, lady. He's like but, running and screaming yeah, at her. Not even lady. Hey, little girl. Come oh, here, yeah. little girl. Also, yeah, not, not <laughs> so, it, man. Yeah, yeah if you're really trying. But, um, I mean, I do like the the uh, comedic, you know, beat of just like, oh, so are you sure we're safe here? And like, I've lived here 15 years and she ain't never coming. Just bam. Here. And then she coo- <laughs> the mother Kool-Aid manned through his wall yes. um, and to get him. He, get, he got Kool-Aid manned. Yeah. I wonder if, if he's been responsible for like saving anybody else or, you know, like it seemed personal. You know, she yoinks his arm off and just beats him to death with it. Like it wasn't just, uh, maybe it was like, you're taking my kids. It was something like, I don't know. Like the mother really seemed like this was pent up rage. I mean, I think it was at any point just because she had built that connection with Tess. Like Tess mm-hmm. actually, you know, like was empathetic towards her and like, you know, so like she sucked the teeth. She, she, I mean, she uh, was trying to get AJ to do it. She's like, drink the fucking bottle. Yeah. Yeah. Tess, yeah. Tessa sucked from the bottle like a champ and uh, AJ didn't. And instead he got real mother nipple 100%. In, in his yeah. mouth. Yuck. Uh Absolutely disgusting. Super like, yucko. Just, uh, but what a hilarious image of just like Justin Long screaming, like curled up like a baby with a with a saggy, veiny titty in his face. Speaking of which, I, I don't I'm not like a huge tweeter or anything like that, nor do my tweets get much traction. But one of my more successful tweets from this past year, there was debate online. There was discourse, Devon. That, or, is Justin Long a scream queen? Yeah. And there was like, what is there's fucking debate on this? Like, what are you what are you talking about? I mean, my my criteria for any Scream Queen is three. That's like my personal criteria. I got into it with somebody that they said four, but even if you say four, he'd already had that before this year. Like he yeah. had been in plenty of genre films. Hell, he was in two genre films this year. Mm-hmm. Um, did you watch uh, House of Darkness? I did not watch it. It's on my uh it's on my watch uh my, my catch up list. It's all right. It's fun. Okay. But, but, but I but, won't prioritize it. But though. it's but it is still another uh fun genre outing for Justin Long. Like he he kind of he 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 has a better performance in that movie. I won't say the movie is better per se. Um, I'd say oh, well, I, I mean, I liked it. I I think I gave him the same score. But gotcha. um, he actually has a more fun performance in that one. Um, which I find very interesting. Um, but yeah, he's he's definitely a screen queen, one hundred percent. Like I saw a lot of people going. Uh, this year we crowned Justin Long and uh, Kyle Gallner, and I'm like, they both have been in like multiple genre films Ridiculous. before this year. Ridiculous, so absolutely they, preposterous. They've been here. They've been here. Yeah. Um. So let's go ahead and uh, we'll get into our final thoughts and uh, rate this out of uh, five five bottles of milk. Of course, five five hairy bottles and milk. Um. Go ahead. Uh, we're gonna do how many hairs on the bottle of milk? Uh. It's, uh yeah. Oh gross. It's just so gross. Um. For me, this was one that uh was. Uh, contrary to yourself, it seems just if not more enjoyable, like still just as enjoyable the second time around. Um, I think that this is one of my biggest surprises of this past year. I think all of the performances are really great. I think a lot of the characters are 
really well established, very well written. I think that Zach Kreger has firmly established himself as like one of the next kind of horror filmmakers to look out for. I don't know if Zach is planning on, you know, doing another genre film like this uh, uh, next, but I'm hotly anticipating it and very excited to uh, see what he does next. But for myself, yeah, Barbarian is is bonkers. It's, I think it's also thoughtful in a surprising way. Uh, I think that there's so many shifts in tone that shouldn't work, but they totally do. They do nothing but contribute to this just wild ride of a movie. Um, it has really cemented itself as one of those movies that I am just going to love sharing with people and love just being like, oh, you haven't seen this fucking movie? Let's let's watch Barbarian, you know, a couple of years from now when kind of the hype has died down a little bit. But for me, yeah, I don't know if this is necessarily like the most ambitious, the most impressive horror movie from this past year year but it was one that I just had such a reaction to and and really enjoyed myself beyond just having like a personal connection with uh, Barbarian as well so uh, yeah for me um, this was actually like a four and a half out of five milk bottles for myself yeah for sure and uh, and yeah I mean I would never call this a bad movie or anything or do I dislike it no I like it um, it just um didn't just uh, didn't quite um have the same even because even the first time around like I liked it quite a bit but it didn't uh, quite have like the same uh, magic that it had for for other people mm-hmm. and and again like even if it is like you know changes on a rewatch like again like I've had movies where that like I loved and that were in like my top five of the year haven't touched them since because yeah. I'm almost scared that I wa- don't want to lose that magic so yeah. like maybe I just need to like yeah not watch this again for like a good five years and then you know because it, it, it is a good movie night yeah. movie for sure um uh, especially to like watch people's reactions because I live for that like I, yeah. I do love that and I love that um, we did kind of have a movie that like its success was, you know, mainly driven by word of mouth, you know, Mm -hmm. of people just being really passionate to talk about it and like getting other people excited to see it. So um, I love it for that fact. And like, you know, it's a it's a sturdy movie. Um, (laughs) It's got some it's got some good scares in there. Um, The score. I really like the score. Um, and then, um, you know, and all the performances are really great, you mm-hmm. know, and the mother, I think the mother is a really fantastic monster from, uh, from, you know, the past few years. Right. Um, it's, but, um, but again, like, do I have, um, much desire to kind of watch it again myself? Not really. Sure. Um, I'm, you know, I got what I needed out of it and, mm-hmm. um, and, and because my rewatch wasn't, um, at least on par with it did kind of go down a little bit for me. So this is, uh, at a three out of five airy bottles totally respectable uh, it's still a positive grade i would still, still believe positive. that would be fresh uh, on on rotten tomatoes as rule um yeah i think like that's a totally different conversation is like have i or will i rewatch this for me i am just not a rewatcher of movies very often i think it's because my list of movies to watch for the first time mm. is so deep that i almost feel guilty of like i'm not talking about just like i i have it on and i'm doing laundry i'm not talking about that or i have it on and i'm writing i'm talking about like sitting down and watching from beginning mm-hmm. to end like i just rarely ever do that and if i do it's a movie that i've seen upwards of 10 to 15 times before um but uh, considering that this is one that like again like immediately oh i'm i'm owning that on blu-ray yeah for myself it's uh very exciting i am excited to uh hear your your picks on your favorite uh, horror movie of the year i know that's a couple weeks out uh so i'm excited to get your passion uh and uh, get all the goodness from you is that have you watched that again 
the the one that we're talking about in a couple weeks? No, no, it's I haven't watched time. it again. But I. What been, if you watch I, it though, and your fears are confirmed? And you're like, I don't oh, think I actually so. fucking hate this. I, no, this <laughs> that one I'm like really excited to dive back into. I've uh, read um a few uh, nice articles that have been written about it. Um and uh but yeah, that is uh, kind of a difference that between me and you. Like mm-hmm. I I love rewatching movies. Like I'm a you know that's kind of like an extra layer to me as far as that like that that does weigh into my score a little bit of you know like how excited am I to like revisit this world or do yeah. I want to study it as far as like me looking for like filmmaking things? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, so I, I rewatch things for a variety of reasons. So, so that does uh, kind of weigh in my score a little bit more. That sounds like an episode in and of itself, like most rewatchable horror movies. Oh yeah. I'd love to do something like that. Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe in the, uh, one day Patreon. We'll there, see. There we go. We'll see. But, uh, let's, uh, see what other movies we were thinking about while we're watching Barbarian. Oh! Alrighty, here on the Spectre Cinema Club, we like to end all of our episodes playing a game uh, called Movie Math. Uh, the rules are simple. You just have to take a few movies. You can add them together, multiply, divide, whatever you decide, uh, all of which just has to equal the movie that we talked about today. Uh, Devon, go ahead and lead us off with your Movie Math equation. Yeah, I'm keeping it pretty simple because I, I kind of had a hard time thinking of uh, movies that I would compare this to. Um, you know, I probably could have thought a little bit harder on some maybe like outside the box ones, but because this kind of is its own thing, it was a little harder to come up with movies for. Um, but the two that I got, um, at first one also set in Detroit mm-hmm. came out a few years ago and that'd be don't breathe from Fede Alvarez. For sure. Um, as far as a movie where one, the location is so integral to the film, you know, kind of becomes its own character itself and uh, the movie goes, you know, out of its way to establish it and its uh, look and dimensions, especially like uh, also getting to see it like um, the difference between like uh, the the house now and then the house when Frank had it even like mm-hmm. getting to see all those differences. Um, but then also just like kind of the, the, the contained thriller aspect of it. There's, you know, the the the, the tension of when they're like kind of exploring these like caves or the, the bottom, you know, portion of the basement. Um, and just like kind of the, the unpredictability of it, like not really knowing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, so kind of, kind of similar energies there. Um, they kind of had some similar like camera movements as well. Like I'd say the, the tone and style, like as far as like a visual aesthetics is pretty similar. So got throw, don't breathe in there. No, of course, I mean, uh, and they got the turkey baster with uh, with a single hair hanging from it as well. Don't remind me. So fucking gross. That like, was one of the, you want to talk about great communal experiences. The, Seeing that in a packed theater, that a, movie. 150 people going Ugh, at once. It was it was amazing. <laughs> like, I mean, it was like a chorus of just audible like reactions to it. It was pretty fantastic. So, yeah, got throw, don't breathe out there. And then my other one. Um, you know, if I want to get the bonkers energy in there, but then I'm also a sucker for movies that are kind of their own versions of Dante's Inferno, where it's mm-hmm. like, okay, we're going to go down a level. And then it's like, oh no, you think you've seen it all? No, we got to go down another level. Yeah. And a movie that kind of does that matches a similar energy would be House of a Thousand Corpses. Um, we did cover that here on the show. You can go back and that was like a very early episode, like number 13, I think. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, um, especially the second half of that movie, sure. um, kind of feels that way. You know, I always say house of a thousand corpses, like, you know, that's a Rob zombies remake of Texas chainsaw massacre, but then he goes, okay, but then what if 
after that dinner scene with uh, Sally at the table. But then what if there was a monster underneath in the basement also? Like another monster, yeah. rather. And uh, kind of the way that it goes, like, in, like, layers through that. And it just, like, kind of gets, like, more demented as mm-hmm. it goes. Yeah. And uh, the energy goes from being, you know, more... Because uh, in the first half of House of a Thousand Corpses, um, leans into the comedy quite a bit yeah. and uh, leans into that. But then as the movie goes, like it takes more and more of that comedy away. And then you are just in like pure terror by the end of the movie. Um, and, and this movie kind of does that in a similar way as well. So I got Don't Breathe multiplied by House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah, House of a Thousand Corpses is a, a big one for me. Really like that one. My favorites of the, the 2000s. Rob Zombie the movie is, fucking rules. It's great. And Rob Zombie is not a filmmaker that is ever up my alley so house of a thousand corpses um i really enjoy with don't breathe i have to think now that you know this film has come out if it, it is don't breathe that means that we have to get a second barbarian movie and frank is going to be now the the in, the protagonist of this of this i guess a prequel because he's fucking dead but you know uh, as as don't breathe logic goes i guess we're getting a second one <laughs> that don't breathe too um, it baffles me. The the fact that that Wild. happened baffles me. Wild shit indeed. Uh, I kind of alluded to one of my films in my equation earlier on in the episode. Uh, uh, the example that I chose as far as like movies where it's this rainy night and people like come knocking in the door looking for sanctuary and find this like horrible nightmare um i chose the old dark house which is like a film from like i believe like the 30s i I suspect it's like a very very early horror film boris karloff is in it uh pre-frankenstein i believe as well um really great uh super spooky also some queer themes in there also kind of funny too uh, it's like a pretty early like horror comedy, way more gothic, way more horror focused, but there's also like a couple funny beats in there. So give it a watch if you haven't seen it. Um, I'm adding that with uh, The Hills Have Eyes for kind of obvious reasons. I'm adding it, not multiplying it, because I don't think that this movie has like Hills Have vibes like energy. I just think that there's like obviously like incestual, like compounded trauma sort of energy there too um Mm -hmm. where you also have these people who are just being kind of chased by this horrible nightmare family um i chose the 2006 version not the west craven version to be clear um i am multiplying that though by villains because i do think that they this movie has like similar energy villains is not near as chaotic but uh not only do you have another great performance from bill skarsgård but also you have this story of like this family trying to sort of cobble together this idea of like a nuclear family. And I think that barbarian, although doesn't necessarily isn't about the same thing. I think that there is this kind of weird, I want to make a family at whatever means possible. And like, this is how I'm going to do it. But also you've got these characters who stumble into this situation that they have no idea, you know, what they've just kind of found themselves into and these psychopaths that live there so i won't spoil villains i think it's a lesser seen movie was on hulu at one point or another i don't know if it's still there but uh another really great recent sort of horror comedy uh also with uh bill skarsgård so yeah old dark house multiplied by the hill or uh added with the hills have eyes from 2006 all of which uh multiplied by villains oh yeah i see all that um uh i will uh, um, I don't know if that was the statement you were making, but I'll agree that, or I will say that 
2006 version of Hills Has Eyes is better than Craven's. Yeah, uh, Craven. Uh, it's not my favorite. I think Hills no. Have Eyes is like really just a gross movie. Like it's no. like sun baked and it's just so man, sweaty. The, and, the, yeah, the the ferocity of of that 2006 one though, like yeah. Aja just makes it just like so so frantic and fanatic yeah. and it's terrifying. And uh, yeah, Villains is a super fun one. I really enjoyed that one. Uh, yeah. Jeffrey Donovan's in that one. Really, uh, really, really good. Uh, yeah, it has a fun energy and it uh, has a, is a nice little inverse. It, it kind of, um, if you you could probably um, that that's like a good double feature with a uh, don't breathe. I'd say because it kind of has like the similar like unsuspecting criminals fall into a situation for sure vibe. But then uh, yeah, the shit that they fall into in villains is oof. But super fun though. Yeah, uh, definitely go check that one out. Yeah, no good. However, what is good? Uh, the movie that we're talking about next week. I'm excited. Oh, yeah. We are talking about a, another uh, big one, bangers only this month. Um, we're going to be talking about Jordan Peele's Nope. Um, we have covered us. You can uh, go back and listen to that episode if you want to hear some uh, Jordan Peele thoughts. Um, but we haven't covered Get Out yet. so um, that, Eventually. Uh, you know, eventually. It's yeah. going to slip in there at some point. But uh, yeah. um, it, I'm excited to rewatch Nope because it was a movie that I liked Um you know, I liked it a decent amount, but I think it was, you know, the expectation, the hype monster might have gotten me a little bit. So I'm going to have to see um, the, the, the way that it uh, turns out whenever I get to rewatch it with none of the expectations. It, yeah. Uh, speaking of movies that we just I don't watch as much, this is one that I also am very excited to to rewatch. I just saw it the one time uh, in theaters on the big old screen. So curious to see how it holds up at my house on my less big old screen. Um, but still, uh, I think that there's been so much written about, said about this film that I'm excited to kind of watch it with all the details because I think Jordan Peele is one of those filmmakers that even with movies like Us, which I'm not as kind of warm on, I think that Nope is one of those movies that like the more you rewatch it, the more layers are kind of peeled back and more things are sort of discovered. I think it's almost like a completely different experience. At least that's how I felt with us as well as get out, obviously. So I'm, I'm excited to revisit this mm. one. Well, I already got thoughts, but I'll save it. I'll save it for that episode. I got thoughts on that. But uh, what, are, what are you working on right now? Oh, right. I just uh, published a TikTok a couple of days ago uh, talking about not just my favorite horror movies of the year, but my favorite movies in general. Uh, so if you want to see that it's a quick little video, uh, I'm not really in it. Just sort of uh, just clips of movies and stuff. So if you've got a spare 40 seconds, I would appreciate it. Um, uh, otherwise, if you want some more long form content, you can, uh, subscribe to the scum and villainy podcast, which is my, uh, star Wars podcast that I also, uh, host. Uh, we'd love to have you guys over there. Otherwise you can just follow me on uh, TikTok as well as uh, Twitter and letterbox just at Garrett McDowell. Um, I know you have 40 seconds to spare. We're all taking poops. So go watch <laughs> this TikTok guys. Um, it, and we always have links to that in the show notes. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram as always at underscore daddy disco. Um, I haven't been doing any other pods lately. Um, so, uh, just make sure, um, you are looking out for me on Letterboxd. And I also made a Tumblr for the podcast Spectre Daddy. So Ooh. go uh, look at that because Tumblr, we're bringing it back, y'all. We're bringing it back. You're going to be the Christopher Columbus of, of, uh, Tumblr. It's, it was, oh. it's already been discovered, but you're leading the charge. <laughs> Damn. I kind of set myself up to get dunked on that one. Oof. But 
Now go ahead and do it for this week's episode of the Spectre Cinema Club. New episodes drop every Tuesday. Subscribe to not miss a thing. You can follow us on social media at Spectre Cinema on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, leave us five stars, a nice little review. We appreciate you. But until next time, guys, stay lifted.